0: for our text this morning entitled message thrust out of the comfort zone we love to stay in the comfort zone because that's where we feel safe and secure and stable there are times in life where we get thrust out of that place um, we have our scripture reading I, I did mean to say something um, during the graduation part that I did and I uh, all our kids, at least to this point, have been homeschooled. And through high school, um, Matthew's graduating high school and his teacher's been from the Penny Nister High School Learning there. And <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I know Penny doesn't want a lot of recognition, but I want to thank her personally for teaching Matthew through school. Um, those kind of things, uh, y'all yeah. are gra- grateful for. <clears throat> So anyway, let's look at Psalm 37. I'll read verses 1 through 8. I'll ask you to stand in God's honor. So read from the text. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they soon wither, like green plants they soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Let's pray. Master, here we come before you. And God, I I simply request, Father, that in the time that remains, that you would enable me, Father, to speak with clarity. Man, I stumble over my words. And to be concise, Father, in what I say, Lord, not to ramble. But, Father, we pray that there be conviction and courage... Father, that you would certainly speak, because if the Holy Spirit doesn't teach us, we don't learn. So, Lord, we need you. We thank you for these graduates. We thank you for their families. And, Father, we're all in the School of Learning. Uh, We're all headed somewhere. Lead us, Lord. Uh, Speak to us. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Isaac Newton's first law of motion states: everything continues in a state of rest until it is compelled to change by forces impressed upon it. You know, you think everything is going to stay exactly like this. It's stable. It's secure. It's safe. The only trouble is, change is a part of life, and of course, graduates are at a point where it's going to change. Whether you're going to a, straight to a career working or whether you're going to school, uh, it, it's not going to be the same. You're going to be thrust out of the comfort zone. and and, I, and obviously, I'm not a career counselor, so I'm not going to spend any time with that portion of it. I believe you guys can handle that. But God has called me to share from His Word that He loves you and that He wants to help you And we're going to look from Psalm 37 this morning. I just want to share a few principles that I think not only apply to uh, graduates, they apply to all of us. Because God wants to work through us. He's chosen, uh, as we were kidding Wednesday night, as I had shared, I had a teacher, uh, I told Thomas, you know, we picked pick songs to sing, that one of the songs I never realized, that first line in, I had a seminary professor, and this is how he always referred to us, as frail children of dust. And and I guess in a real sense, we really all are frail, aren't we? And anyway, let's uh, look at these principles. Starting in uh, Psalm 37, we'll jump right in. First principle, base your life on truth that will bless you, uh, not bite you. (laughs) You you see, there are some things you think, this is great, man. And in the end, though, it bites. It hurts you. And and, uh, he talks about in these first two verses, he says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Hey, when you chase a life that leaves God out, when you have a pursuit of what lasts for a short time instead of what lasts forever, and that's what it means to follow God, hey, that that, that is is not the way you want to go. I can promise you it, it will lead to regrets. And what God wants to do is, He wants to provide you guys with a life regret-free. And that's what happens when we really follow Him when He is at work in our lives. And there are consequences for the choices we make. You know, in Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it, it, it talks about that, that you reap what you sow. And I thought about what Jesus said, His words to the followers, and we're part of that, In John 14, 21, where he he said, "...whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him." It talks about, in the next verse here, it talks about safe pasture. Hey guys, that safe pasture is when you're willing to listen to God and to start following what He says. That's the safe pasture. When you get out of that safe pasture that's when there are predators and and that's when uh, uh, the things alive can bite you, man, and bring regret. And and so be careful in, in staying close to Him. Principle number two, trust in the Lord and put His truth into personal practice. Look at verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Trust is not easy, but it is God's growth plan. You know, for many years, i tried to figure out this Hebrews 11.1. One. I'd memorized it years ago in the King James. I still don't quite get it because it's kind of over my head. But it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What? It's kind of like jumping in the dark, not knowing where you're going to land. But there's only one difference. We've got a God who does know where we're going to land. He says, trust me. Matter of fact, it reminded me, they said years ago, there was this pro golfer that was a very good golfer, but he had one problem. He was very arrogant. And he always made excuses when he lost. And quite frankly, people got sick of him. One day, this blind golfer came up to him, and he said, you know, you think you're really good, but I think I can beat you in a round of golf. And the golfer, you got to be kidding me. You think you can beat me? He goes, yes, I do. He says, well, Okay. You name, you name when you want to play. He goes, we'll play any night you choose. <laughs> uh, in, anyway, but but it's it's tough because you can't see as you follow. And I thought about Abraham. Uh, turn me to Genesis chapter 12. Here's Abraham. I mean, I realize he's 75, um, but regardless of how old we are, it's tough to step out somewhere new, isn't it? In Genesis 12, he says, The Lord had said to Abram. Abram got these instructions from the Lord. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. You know, I thought about that, guys. First, he, he, he's talking about leave your country. He's talking about leaving your familiar surroundings. And you've been with a group of people and you feel like, I've stayed with them forever. This is what I've always known. This is what's comfortable. This is what's familiar. And it's about to change. Uh, different people are going to come into your life. Some of those people that have been in your life for so long aren't going to be close by it 's tough and, and it, you know not only you know and so the surroundings change whether you 're still here in bristol or not it 's just different you know it, 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 the friends the people you hang out with uh, it 's going to change that 's what happens. You know, I, I can remember surrounding-wise when I went to seminary. I went down in Texas, and I left the mountains. I went to Marshall College, and I've always loved the mountains. And I cried the whole way down, man. I'm such a baby, the kids would say. But, but you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'll never see the mountains again. Here I am, back to the mountains, you know. God called me back here. This is obviously where I'm supposed to be. You know, I was uh, mountain-fed, mountain-bred, and mountain-led. You know, here I am back, you know. <laughs> but as we see this, not only surroundings... But friends, ended up leaving immediate family. And and for some of you, that's going to be the case. Some of you will still be close by immediate family. Some of you won't. But the call is to follow. It's just to leave that comfort zone and and to head out. And and that's what he does by faith. And then notice what he says here. He says to do good. He says in that next uh, part of 37, I want to read to you, it's a little thing uh, that was um, written on a servant attitude. And develop a servant attitude. Care about others. Serve others. Don't just think about yourself. It goes a long way. He says, uh, people are illogical, unreasonable, self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you're successful, you win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest men with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. (laughs) People favor underdogs, but but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. (laughs) What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help them anyway. Give the world the best you have, and you'll be kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Be a servant. Principle number three. Take delight in God. Don't treat God as an afterthought. Worship Him. Let me tell you, we all in life, as life goes on, you have regrets. But there's one regret you'll never have. You'll never regret walking close with God. You'll never regret letting Him love you and lead you. You know, it says in Proverbs 20, verse 24... A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? Hey, we can't even figure out what to do. We need help. We need God in our lives. Um, and, and, and that's so critical. So delight in Him. I want to, On that quote, uh, the study we've been doing on Wednesday night, there's a quote here I want to read just uh, from the book that David Platt had written, study book. He said, uh, Why do we worship God? Because we want God. We exalt Him precisely because we enjoy Him. Think of the way sports fans continually Sing the praises of their favorite athletes. Think of the way newlyweds regularly lift up and express their spouses. Think of the way people crow about their favorite meals, songs, movies, books. Isn't that the essence of worship? When you delight in something, you can't help but declare that delight. When you adore someone, you automatically announce your adoration. You can't wait to tell people about it. Therefore, true followers of Christ gladly use our lips and our lives to lift up the one we love above all others. We delight in worshiping God. And the cool part is, as we worship Him, He fills us. We, we find out that, that, that you know, the longing in our heart, there's something there, you know. It, it, it says He'll give you the desires of your heart when you delight in Him. And that's what happens. All right, uh, principle number four commit your way to the Lord. Uh, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust Him and He'll do this. He'll make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. The word commit in the Hebrew literally means to roll. And the word picture is to take a round object and to roll it where it goes away from you, out of your reach. And and this is the picture here. It is to take your worries, to take your fears to take your inadequacies and to roll them away, roll them to the Lord. And the only way to get them back is you have to go pick them up. And so what is being said here is, don't go walking over there and pick them back up. Learn to roll them to the Lord. And, you know, I think of that uh, scene where Jesus is in the boat and there's this big storm and Jesus is sound asleep. You know, I wanted to say Jesus snored. I don't know. I have a perfect Lord, but I don't know. Okay, we won't get into that. But the point is, He is asleep, and the disciples really, are man, anxiety. It's like, He doesn't care if we live or die. This storm is going to destroy us. It's going to kill us. And He's asleep. What is this about? You know? At the very least, man, He could get up and grab an oar and help us, you know, in this storm. But... <laughs> He's sound asleep. And so they wake up and it it says that Jesus rebuked the storm. He told it, come down, storm. And that's what happened. You see, at that moment, they didn't know what they were dealing with. They didn't know who they were dealing with. That they could roll their anxiety and their concern and their fears to Him. He was asleep because He's all-powerful. And we can do the same. We can roll our our fears and our hearts and our worries all to Him, not snatching them back. And and, and that's a wonderful way to live, not to live trapped in fears. It made me think of that song I even played on YouTube this morning, trying to remember the words, you know, where it comes in the chorus and says, sometimes He calms the storm, sometimes He calms His child. That's the way He works, guys. All right, i got one last one here, and then a closing illustration. Refrain from anger. Look at verse 8. Stay calm. Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. He speaks here, and don't always be angry. Some people live in anger because they see every offense. They personalize every hurt. And they become wounded and they become mean. You know, there's an old saying, hurting people hurt people. And the, God says here, don't do that. Don't live out of your hurt where you're hurting other people. Don't let that be the case. Don't let your anxiety and your fear turn into anger and, and then go after others. You know, don't do that. Now, there is a time, I'll say this, where anger is appropriate. It's the right time, right place. But it needs to be expressed in the right way. That doesn't give you a license to, you know, go apply some uh, justice, you know. (laughs) Uh, A great example of that, if anybody here is a Knicks fan, I'd watch NBA, and the poor Knicks, they got knocked out of the NBA playoffs again. Anyway, back in their heyday of glory, their star player was a guy named Walt Frazier, and in the midst of uh, one of their big games, a guy on the other team just punched Frazier in the face. And the crazy thing about it is, the referee called the foul against Walt Frazier. Now, you know, what did Walt do? Nothing. He just went straight on and scored the next seven buckets in a row and won the game. The point is, he was able to take that anger and to express it in a way that was helping others, a way that was beneficial instead of a way that was destructive. And, and, and that's the heart God wants us to have. Now, as I close here, I, I want to say, don't settle for little things. Let God do big things through you because He will and He can. And don't think just because you feel like a small dog that He won't use you to with a big bark and to do a big work because He can. Um, you know, I'm... I had realized the other day when I started thinking about Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham, uh, mighty man of God, mightily work, but you know, probably, unless you're an older guy like me at, at 50, there's a lot of guys that they've heard of Billy Graham, but they don't really even know much about Billy Graham. You know, my generation, you almost take for granted we all know Billy Graham, but a lot don't. Back in 1957, uh, when God's Really did a mighty work through the Billy Graham Crusades in New York City. Came to New York City, you know, what started out to be a week long crusade ended up going from May 15th to September 1st because God just broke out. And it ended up that over 2 million people came uh, to that crusade and thousands came to the front for decisions, and, and and God was just working, guys. But but what I want to mention through that is not Billy Graham who, you know, was in the spotlight and God was using, but a guy behind the scenes that probably you've never heard of, I certainly hadn't heard of him before, his name was Charlie Riggs. Now here's the thing about Charlie Riggs. Charlie Riggs was a uh, navigator trained by Lawrence Sanny who had been trained by Dawson Trotman, the guy that founded Navigators. And the thing about Navigators, uh, a guy God mightily had used, and one of the big things they're known for is memorizing Scripture verses. Anyway, Lauren, as he's working with Charlie, he was discouraged, and he, he, he spoke to Dawson, and he said, you know, this guy's rough around the edges. I know he's the guy I'm supposed to be working with, but I'm really depressed. I just don't ever see him amounting to much. And... In turn, Dawson wrote him back and said, Don't get discouraged. You never know what God may do. You be faithful and keep working with Charlie. You don't know how God may use him. Well, he ended up in 1952 working with the Billy Graham Crusade and uh, stayed there a couple of years. Then it came to that opening night in 1957 of the New York Crusade. And through a set of circumstances the guy that was supposed to be in charge of the crusade, the main director had to drop out and they needed a new director. And so one of the people in the organization said, Charlie Riggs, you ought to choose Charlie. Billy Graham shook his head. I, I love this part as, as I read it. He shook his head and he said, ah, I just don't know. He says, all that guy seems to be good for is to pray and quote scripture. <laughs> I just don't know. But yet... People kept coming to him, why not Charlie, you know? And so he said, yeah, God can work. And, and so what's amazing about it is, uh, it said, okay, so Charlie started working over those weeks and transformed the way those crusades were run. And he stayed with the Billy Graham Association until he retired. And so people asked him later, they said, Charlie, how was God able to use you for so long and so powerfully when obviously some people doubted you? And here's what he said. I love this. He said, I always asked the Lord to put me in over my head. That way, when I had a job to do, either the Lord had to help me or I was sunk. Isn't that great? You know, I thought of that. So many of us like to play it safe. We only want to pray and ask God for things that we know we can handle. Our answers are small because our prayers are small. And so the challenge for me and for you is, God, give us bigger vision. Help us to see you, Lord. Help us to ask for things that are bigger, that you may do more through little old me for your glory, God. Because it's not about how strong or resourceful I am. It's about you getting the praise and the glory and working through something small. And so to pray in that way. Uh, I wrote down a few thoughts as I, I was thinking about graduates and the change of life some challenges ahead uh, for some leaving home, going to school away from family, for others starting a full-time job, and making decisions others used to make for us, or having to pay bills others used to pay for us. It's not hard to find ourselves over our heads, so let's ask God to put us in over our heads all of us. And then let's watch God keep us floating just when we think we're about to sink. You'll never know the heights if you don't feel the fear of a possible fall. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for some time to look at your word and some timeless truths, Lord. Father, applicable not just to graduates, but to all your people. Father, we do pray for the days ahead, for your guidance. Keep each of these graduates close to you as they experience something new and people who they have not met before. Father, may they continue to walk with you and seek you, God, because that they will not regret. Uh, Lord, for any who have not discovered and trusted you, Father, I pray that would change and they would understand you love them and you want to guide them. Uh, Father, for anyone here for that matter, Lord, who just hasn't said yes to your love, Father, you are amazing. Father, you, you see us as we are and love us anyway, and you continue, uh, Lord, to chase after us, Lord. You say, come and, and and just let me love you. Let me forgive you. Let me give you a new start. Let me show you what life's about. Father, that's you. That's your heart, Lord. And, and I pray, Lord, that we would say yes to that. Whatever level we're at, whatever level we need to be at, let us just experience your love and follow you. and And, Lord, it's when we... We roll it out there to you, Lord, uh, Father, that you work. And and so, Father, just uh, increase our faith and increase our trust. Uh, show us your work. and Father, in this time we call invitation or response, uh, Father, bring those to the altar that need to come. Uh, bring those to the front that need to share before the body of Christ here today. Father, just do your work, Lord, and we'll give you the praise. Maybe it's to make a decision right where you stand. I just pray, Father, simply that we follow you, all of us. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.